Hello and welcome to the TT Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk to one person from the world of the TT racers to discuss their lives, their journeys, their ambitions and their relationship with the greatest motorsporting event in the world. I'm Chris Pritchard and with me, Steve Plater. You alright? Good Chris, you? I'm alright, yeah, feeling good. Sun shining, not that anybody can see it. <laughs> we can't. No, we can't. We're in a dark studio. Could be sunny out there. Who knows? On but, the Isle of Man. Yeah. So, oh, by the way, so if you hear any uh, strange noises, it's because we're not in the usual soundproof studio. Um, I guess today, it's fair to say it, an absolute legend of the TT. Yeah, without doubt. You know, a guy that um, has always been around in my eyes from competing and then after racing, but uh, great character, has been there, done it all and won it all. Do you think we'll get some juicy gossip out of him? Oh, I hope so. Might take a pint or two to get that, though. <laughs> Let's get into it. Today's guest was making his TT debut only a few months after I was brought into this world. 21 years later, he's still doing it. I'm joking. 38 years later. <laughs> Steve, you didn't even pick up on that. That's because he lies about his age as well, isn't it? <laughs> Any, anyway, 136 starts, 103 finishes with 10 wins, 29 podiums spanning five decades. And this is my favourite fact. There's been 35 years between your first podium and your last podium. That's some going, isn't it? Not bad. Unbelievable. Not bad for a Welshman. I know, I know. <laughs> you name it, he's ridden it around here. And his success away from the TT speaks for itself as well. Eight wins at the Northwest 200, 18 wins at the Ulster GP, and he is the most successful rider of all time around the Southern 100 with 32 wins. And we mentioned it briefly before we started the uh, the podcast. Uh, that's pretty special to you, isn't it? Yeah, it is really. Um, <clears throat> uh, Joey Dunlop loved the Southern 100 and... Uh, you know, to beat one more than him, then it's uh, it's some um, sort of accolade, you know. And uh, I, it was the first road race I ever did. Uh, so for me, uh, going to the Southern, I, I got taken there by uh, Tuna, a uh, great guy and sponsor called Ray Cowles. I went there and rode around there and just I just loved the place, you know. So for me, that was the benchmark of road racing. Yeah, there's not many people that have one-upped Joey Dunlop, is there? God, flipping heck, no. Unbelievable. Mm. Right, we always start with the same question. I don't know whether to, to change it a little bit because, you know, you're now a team manager and you're obviously watching the boys set off. Mm. But back in the day, and you still do it now, so you might get the same feeling, but back in the day, the height of your career, you're rolling through no man's land, you get grabbed on the shoulder, you're waiting for that <clears> flag <throat> to drop, get that tap on that shoulder and set off down Glen Crutchery Road. What's going through your head? How are you feeling? I don't know. I, I honestly I don't really get that nervous I mm -hmm. get apprehensive and I'm thinking I think I just fill my head full of how the bike's going to react what changes we've made I'm thinking how that's going to react and, and how it's going to affect everything <clears throat> I don't really feel nervous towards you know the the fact that most people would think about coming off or whatever I, I tried to eradicate that from everywhere obviously you know the dangers but you just you just try and concentrate on how, how the bike's going to react when you go down Bray Hill because yeah. it's, you know, it's sort of getting light because you're accelerating the front end's light. You're thinking, oh, how's that going to, you know, everything, every little bit, you're thinking, you know, but don't actually get that nervous about it, you know, I don't, don't know why. Quite a methodical thinking person. Yeah, I must be, yeah, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, I am really. I, I think things through a lot, you know. 
Uh, is that bit, was that right from the start though? Because again, first time you ever go down there, you, you, you're diving off into the unknown, aren't you? Yeah, I think I've always been fairly forward thinking or whatever. Um, not so much the rest of my life, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I was um, just going to start arguing there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, um, I think I, yeah, I think, um, I think I am really. I do think things through. I try and get things right, although I'm not the most organized pe- person in life, but in racing, I hate people who just turn up and, and just say, oh, I was unlucky. I, you know, mm. that bike, no, it wasn't prepared. You yeah. know, if you, if you, I was unlucky, I broke my leg or whatever, you know, it can happen, of course. But, you know, you just jump on any old thing, you're going to get hurt. You know, you have to, so try and eradicate those problems and then the, the percentage of, um, uh, of doing things right um, yeah. and getting a, a good result or, you know, being safe is, is, is better. But, uh, yeah, so, the, the, yeah, the question with, I, yeah, I don't really get that nervous about um, going on Braille, but I'm not saying I, it's not no nerves, but it depends on the, on the machine at the time, you know. Sometimes yeah. you know this is going to be a handful. I'm going to have to hang on to this and I'm really little. So, um, but that's a different thing, you know. But um, when you know you've got things covered and you've done your best, you think, right, just, and, and you know when you're on your, you're on, in a, focus on your a game as well, when yeah. you're right up there and you know that you're one of the ones to beat, you think, right, just that concentration bit. Now, the last bit is, is me and in that bit. You know, that's, that's now, the, obviously, the TT's changed massively over the years, you mm-hmm. know, and coming through the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, it's a, many, many years. You've been rolling, you know, from from kind of the the start position into no man's land and away. But you're a Welshman. Yeah. You like a drink. Yeah. Back in the old days yep. when everybody kind of morning practice and and of course the way mm. things went on. Have you was you always clear headed rolling into <laughs> actually? No yeah, land? I know this is hard to believe that anybody who knows me. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I never I never drunk. You know, um, I never, ever had uh, any drink the night before. It was too, like you were up at four o'clock in the morning, ready for the, going off the line at quarter past five. So, um, you know, and, and riding two strokes. There was no way you'd be drinking. No, you have to have a clear head, you know, honest, that's honestly. I never drunk. Um, and I don't know if I'm, you know, I'm racing. Do you think that was the case for everybody, though, back in the day? I was just going to ask that, you know, back, back I don't in, think so. I think there were a few. Obviously, even they rolled out of the... Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They rolled out of the pub straight onto the start line for more Yeah, more. I've, heard, I've heard stories about that, but I'm not saying he did that. I don't know, but I've heard stories that, you know, Joey did that. And back in the day, that was sort of... The life, everyday life, you know, people drinking and driving was a little bit of a... What people sort of did a bit, a bit mm. you know, not... Yeah. It was like, more the norm. Not that it was right. I'm just no. saying that's what people did. It was yeah. more the norm in those days. You're that, you know, these days it's. You've seen yeah. some massive changes, you know, um, at the Alaman TT races over the years since, since starting. You know, back in the early '80s. Um, all for the good. Um, no, you know, obviously with things like no morning practice, no wet races, uh, various different things, you know, even mm. setting up in practice on your own and yeah. now morning warm up and there's so many differences. Yeah, uh, I don't think it's all run. for the good, no. No, I, I like morning practices, but I can understand it from the organisers and the marshals stood out there from four o'clock in the morning, yeah. you know. Uh, what was it about it that you liked? It was that freshness and yeah. the, the, especially riding two strokes then. Uh, and anybody knows who runs a two-stroke, they, they run so much clear and so sharp and 
really go really mm. well, you know, as long as you've jetted them right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that was another thing. You'd have to jet them just before you were setting off. So it wasn't a, a two-minute thing. You'd, you'd be there 15, 20 minutes doing it as fast as you could. So, so, would you be guessing? Sorry to get a bit technical. Would you be guessing the jet in? So, for anybody that doesn't understand the two-stroke, the jet is basically how much fuel gets put through the carb, right? That's right. That's so, right. and yeah. and obviously, the the bigger the I'm jet, pressed. <laughs> the bigger the jet, the more fuel that gets through. Yeah, yeah. So, so, what you're trying to look for the 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 correct mixture of fuel and and air. And air, right? yeah, yeah. So, if it's if it's too weak, it's not getting enough fuel then it becomes too hot and then the piston will seize in, in the bowl. But this is just a guess, a guessing game at this um, point or not? It is to a point. You, you've obviously done your homework and stuff in riding the bikes everywhere else. So you do roughly, uh, you'd arrive there at the TT or, and you'd um, basically put the jets so you'd be on the rich side to go out just so you get your laps in. The bike yeah. not go the best and you have to change down three times going up the mountain mile <laughs> yeah. compared to, and then back again and up again and down again. <laughs> So, um, and that would be the difference in it being a quick bike or but it would get you the laps in. And, and, but other people would arrive and they'd just try and run it like a short circuit and you'd only right, get like a half a lap in and it'd be seized solid. Yeah. You'd be stood on the side of the road, you wouldn't get any laps in. So it's things like that that, you know, you try and, um, you know, to try and think ahead for, mm-hmm. to try and get the laps, even though they're not yeah. the best laps, you know that the bike will keep going at that sort of jet. And then you, you sort of come done with the jets as the but you look at the weather as well as it becomes more humid you know then you can um you can come down with a jet or if it goes the opposite direction on the uh, the air pressure uh, so everyone everything works against you you've got the air pressure humidity um and uh, and your temperature of, of the of the ambient temperature yeah. so there's three things that you you're sort of working out. You're in. It's a proper science, isn't it? That's it a is. lot of thinking to do at 4.45 in the morning. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. And I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. it'll change instantly between 4.40 in the morning and then mm-hmm. race time. If race time is 3 o'clock mm. in the afternoon, yeah. you, you, again, you're guessing it. Yeah. Which makes it, which makes it, uh, which opens it up to, to other so, people to, to So what to about that? Race. Of course, you know, you know, when I was coming through the ranks, you, you, you were one of the main men on two strokes racing at British Championship as well as the yeah. roads, you know, yeah. 125, yeah. 250 and so on. No two strokes anymore. It's all four strokes. Fuel injection now, you know, it's massively different from when you first started. Mm. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I got to say, I'm really sad about it. You know, as a lot of other people, I think, um, I think the two stroke thing they carried on. That they should shouldn't have got rid of the two fifty British Championship in two thousand and one. I think was the last one um, because they carry on uh, with the two fifties in the Grand Prix until two thousand and nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and by this stage. They've tried to keep the two two strokes going on on the on the road circuits on the smaller road circuits, and the TT from until well two thousand and four I think was the last one two five TT, um, but they jumped ship too early. I think they th- you know Italy stopped doing a two fifty championship. I think they thought, thought oh we'll get yeah. out of it and it'll all be great, but then there were a lot of people with bikes that was became stagnant. You know they didn't know where to sell them because they'd be um, p- pieces of junk that weren't worth anything which is not the case now obviously <clears throat> and not being up but some people were riding them some people weren't and yeah it's a, re- a real sad you know because i you know it's uh the death of the two so you know it's terrible and it was only the the suitor a couple of years ago i rode for suitor brought the 500 back and i rode that for two years 2016 yeah. 2018 that was but that was fuel injected um 500 um, but that was uh, so. How, how was it? while we're on that subject? How was that to ride around? Um, <laughs> hard work. Yeah. Um, because it was fuel injected, or just because it was a five hundred 
Yeah, well, soaks. 500 two soaks hard anyway, but mm -hmm. um, it was hard work because the fueling wasn't quite correct in, in the beginning. So, for instance, um, and I didn't realize when I first rode it, I thought oh, it was great and whatever, but the Alleman throws up all different things than any other circuit because you're on the throttle for so long, mm -hmm. maybe half a minute some places, you know, before you shut the throttle. Just you never do that in, yeah. you know, the short circuit. You're always, yeah, you know. Um, anyway, uh, for instance, the with the suitor, we, um, and the guys worked on, they were fantastic people to work with, and we're still friends, and it's just mega people um, and engineers, you know. Um, but you could, um, in, for one instance, you um, go up the mountain mile, absolutely flat out, you get to the end of the mountain mile, and all the uh, back two gears or three gears, and you go into the corner, you open the throttle, nothing happening, and you're falling into the wall. Oh, really? And then all of a sudden it chimes in just before you hit the wall with your shoulder. <laughs> and then it wheelies on the way out. So I could handle the wheeling, but <clears throat> the uncertainty was not so good. What, what was so, that down to? Uh, just the, them getting the fueling right. Right. You know, um, Coming back too many gears. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's only coming back two instead of three. Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. But they got that sorted, you know, yeah. within a... But it took two or three nights to do that, so I was, I was after pre pre um, uh, think it, and every time you did it, you have to sort of think right. One open it now. <laughs> yeah, way earlier than you normally before, would anticipate. You know, then, yeah, anticipated. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's terrifying. Yeah. So let's go all the way back to the start then. Like, how did how did you actually get into to road racing itself? Um, well, I was I was a sixteen year old riding FS one E's and AP fifty. Suzuki's on the road, and um, I eventually moved up to a 250 in those days, and I uh, got banned and um, Go on. police chasing me and things like this. I was crazy, <laughs> yeah. really. Yeah. Did they catch but you? A couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> that was a problem. Yeah, exactly. I knew there was a problem there somewhere. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I was just just yeah, a bit young and a bit stupid and whatever, you know. In with the wrong people, maybe. <laughs> but um, no, it's just. I, and then one day I went to uh, a friend of mine, went to uh, a circuit in, in South Wales uh, near Llantwit Major called Landau and uh, went to there. And he said, Oh, do you fancy a go at this? And I said, What? So I think he said, No, racing. I said, Oh, you thought about it. And um, anyway, so he said, There's a guy that goes up the pub tonight. He, he, he does a bit of racing. And so I had a chat with him. He said, I'll lend you some leathers, but I'll, I'll never forget what he said. He said, I'll give you the address of the ECU to get your license. But he said, um, I'll tell you now, he said, it's like a bug. You won't get rid of it once you start. And he was correct. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so 40 years later, here I am. Still, still uh, doing yeah, it, was, it. It was 40 years in that beginning of, beginning of 82, I started racing. Did that take you off of the road then? Did you stop being a loon on the road? Yeah. I, to be honest, even though I was a loon on the road, I was still, even then, I was quite anticipating things. You know, I, I, I wasn't just, I wouldn't, like I had friends who brainless. could. brainless. Yeah, but yeah. I wasn't brainless, no. Uh, I had friends who could, who would overtake on blind corners. I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. why don't you just look over the top of the car and wait and I could anticipate things, you know. I wasn't even though I was nuts with the police. I wasn't, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's a different story when they yeah, started they didn't chasing me much, you. But, um, <laughs> there, was, there was a certain amount of self-preservation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I've always had that. I think. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, was your first race at Land Landau? Um, my first race was actually supposed to be at Castle Coombe. So I was that area was North Gloucester mm -hmm. uh, Club. 
because in those days there was lots of clubs you know mm. you could go to these days there's not so many clubs because of the introduction of track days etc yeah. which is a sad thing i think um but anyway um so i was part of the north gloucester so i went to north gloucester and i had a friend of mine i was a tractor mechanic at the time so we put the um we put my rd 400 yamaha um two stroke on the back of his uh pickup the yellow pickup it was and uh, we tied it on with baler twine and uh, <laughs> off we went to castle coombe which is about oh, a couple of hours away and uh got there and signed on and did all that and then I remember going to the uh, out and practice and I was third or fourth reserve. So, so naive. I just waited at the yellow pickup all day, waiting for them to come to the yellow pickup and tell me to, mm. you're a reserve. Yeah, you can go on. You know, there's there's enough room on track sort of thing. I didn't get a ride, funnily enough. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I didn't actually, you know, I paid my entry. I didn't get the race. <laughs> So uh, just that, yeah, s- uh, silly. So uh, and then a couple of weeks later, there was Landau, and that, that was my first, the first actual race. How did you get on in it? Um, good, yeah. I, I think I had a tenth and a fourth, um, oh, right. which so was won. good. Yeah, it was, it was okay, you know. And uh, in a class where maybe I was up against seven fifty, said seven fifties or something, or five hundred Yamahas, you know, and I was on a four hundred um, RD four hundred, which was probably not the best thing to have at the time. Yeah. But I purposely chose that because I didn't have any money anyway. Never had enough money. So what's like a race you never have enough money. Um, but um, I purposely chose it because I wanted to see how we could get on in the production class against the RD350LC, mm-hmm. which was the thing to have. Yeah, And they weren't as quick as them. So I thought if I can finish halfway up through the grid against them and others behind LCs behind me, they'll be doing all right. Yeah. And that's what happened. So I finished, I think there was a grid at one time, 38, and I finished 18th. And then I finished 12th one time. Nice. I thought, oh, I must be all right. Yeah. So that was that was the idea behind it, really. Not not that I could afford an LC anyway, but... Yeah. Um, and, the, yeah. and the bug had set in and that was it? Yeah, like yeah, the following year, I got a TZ350 and, and had that for... It was an old bike, a two, three-year-old bike. And um, in those days, you had to sort of weld the frame up in the middle of the meeting. Nice. Because it was, yeah, they, they were cracking through, like, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, it was a common thing. You, the first thing you do when you arrive there, I'm not being derogatory to the sidecar paddock, you know, but you look for the sidecars, they always had oxyacetylene with them. Yeah. So they could weld your frame you back up in the middle of the meeting. <laughs> That's just the way it was, you know. With the, and how were your parents and things, the family, when you wanted to start racing, were they happy to see you getting off your road bike and... Getting rid of your adrenaline on 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 circuit, or were they negative? Uh, they, never... they, they didn't know he was doing what he was doing out yeah. on the roads, surely. <laughs> well, actually, there is a story behind <laughs> this as well. <laughs> they weren't actually against it, no, and they helped me as much as they could. But they, my my dad had bikes on the road, and my mm. brother had bikes on the road. He used to take me on the back of him when um, he had a Z900. When I was about 12, he used to take me on the back. Uh, I was on the back of him and going around and stuff. So we always had bikes in, but never racing, you know, there was never a racing thing there. But I, the first thing was, I pinched my brother's bike. He had a Z900. In the wintertime, he used to have a YB100 Yamaha. And uh, we lived out in the sticks. Um, so the roads were only as wide as this table. And uh, um, I used to nick the bike, push it down the road so my mum couldn't hear me. She'd kill me otherwise. <laughs> and no helmet or anything. And then me and my mate used to go down the road, a couple of hundred yards down the road, and just ride it. And you know, just fairly, fairly crazy when I think about it. But anyway, um, no gloves, nothing. Just... And then turn, but you could see over the hedges, so it wasn't too bad. Don't try and justify it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, he turned around, come back, and he'd jump on. And, and this one time, I'm coming back, and I pulls up, and the next minute, oh, there's a copper following me. 
Jim. So he caught me and he was in a minivan. So, <laughs> and uh, he gets me and he was a notorious copper at the time that hated anybody young, I think. Um, and uh, anyway, we went to court. So I got banned when I was 13. Oh, really? So only I had to wait 13. three years in those days um, to get you, because you had so many, no helmet, taking the bike with the helmet, was permission, mm -hmm. no insurance. So they threw the book at me sort of thing. And I had to wait until I was 16 and a half to get my FS1E on the road, I think. Yeah. Or maybe a couple of months, a couple of months anyway. Hold on, Which so that was, was killing me. I yeah, couldn't, you know, I was wait, gonna... so that ban started from the age of 13, yeah, even though yeah, you yeah. knew you couldn't get your yeah, license? Yeah, even though you didn't have a license to your 16. Because I had so many. When I got my license, I already had four endorsements on it. <laughs> You're only allowed to have three in those days. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So I had to wait for a couple of months to. So I was livid the time I got on the road. <laughs> Brilliant. So it was payback. So you just literally yeah. went out and uh, tried yeah. to cause as much havoc as you could. Yeah, yeah I think so. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was all good fun. So, right. so you were going down the route of uh, circuit racing at this point as well. Yeah. Uh, were you looking at the roads at all? No, I didn't even know where the Alamann was. It didn't exist in your no, in your no. I was um, in Wales. It's all about rugby and. Yeah, you know nobody's interested in bikes really, except for a guy called Ray Cowles, and um, he was uh, from Pontypool, um, thirty odd miles away from me. And uh, there was a guy called Clive Watts who used to race and won the Manx Grand Prix in nineteen seventy nine. And he helped me in the beginning. Uh, I used to uh, he introduced me to Ray Cowles, and um, said that he'd give me a he'd give me a bike to go along with my bike, so we'd have a three fifty. And we'd have a 352 or 354, we used to call it in those days, they were just a 350, put it into the 500 class, give it an extra ride. Mm -hmm. So we used to travel in a, a little van together and go around all these meetings. I used to do 26 meetings a year, you know, in those days. Really? Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. How I afford it, I just don't know. Because uh, it was crackers. So that, that was the introduction, really, to uh, with Raymond. And then he mentioned going to the roads, and I was, I just wanted to be Barry Sheen, you know, yeah, in my yeah. mind. I was like, oh, Barry Sheen, yeah, that's what I want, you know. <laughs> and um, uh, Ray said about going to the roads, and I said, well, whatever, it's racing, it's racing, you know. And uh, went to the Southern 100, and we did that. And while we were there, we came, um, drove up the road to the circuit here, and um, to, Cass uh, to um, Douglas, and um, did a couple of laps in the van. And he said, what do you think? I said, it's all right. I was just, just like that, I knew when you're 20, I think it was. So, so, um, so the, you come off a, off a circuit, which is relatively safe, back in the, the day, relatively safe. Yeah, right? relatively safe, yeah. But then you rock up to the Southern 100, you've got signposts, you've got brick walls, you've mm. got gardens. Yeah. yeah. Did it not bother you because of the way you were on the road before, do you think? I think or? so. I think, I think that's what it is. Yeah. I think because I've, I've been used to travelling you know, around the little roads, you know. He'd been used to stealing his brother's bike, yeah. Yeah. riding with no 13. gloves, no helmet. What do you think? Walking, yeah, stupid question. Really, yeah. isn't it? And no, he didn't have to steal anything. <laughs> You're getting bikes given to you. Exactly. No, but I think, you know, generally, I think, you know, riding around the, the lanes at home, they're, they're quite narrow. Yeah. Um, and I think you have to be very accurate. Yeah, so maybe that's what it was. I was used to walls and you know whatever. Because it's not like it's not like it is nowadays. If someone says, "Do you want to go and do the Sun One Hundred? You can go on online, look at mm. YouTube, look at the course, actually work out what's yeah. going on. You know, someone yeah. just says, "Do you want to go on roads?" Yeah, you have no idea what you're kind of getting oh, yourself absolutely. into. No, no, you no. took to it relatively. Yeah, yeah relatively and I think well. you've got a good memory as well. And I've got terrible memory for names and things, but like as far as going somewhere in the roads and stuff, yeah. 
I can sort of remember, you know, I think oh, once I've been there once, generally, um, you know, you think, oh, yeah, it's done. Yeah. Sort of, you know, you have to have that about you, I think, mm-hmm. in those days as well. Because you've got, as you say, you've got nothing to, to look at, you know, there's so no it, internet or anything. Yeah, it wasn't daunting going from the 7100, a couple of miles long, to then do it, coming up to Douglas, doing a lap of the course. Mm. Like all that course you've now got to try and remember. Yeah, didn't, no, didn't uh, think it wasn't really. And, too much. Uh, like, it didn't bother me too much. Um, but when I went home, I used to work, used to work um, uh, as a track mechanic in the beginning and then building sites and whatever with my dad and my brother. And then we, at night time, I used to go down and help uh, Clive Watts, who was, who was the guy who won the Max. And he'd lend me some leathers and... Uh, which were like paper in those days. They were just like, they were so light. There was no, there was just an extra bit of leather around your knees or your elbows. That was it. Not much when we hurt ourselves and we fell off, you know. It's just... I borrowed some to do parades and things. Flipping heck, how yeah. people are brave enough to, yeah. you get more protection from a flipping tracksuit these days. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah honestly, yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, that's one thing that's come on is, yeah. is, the, is the clothing, the airbags these yeah. days and all that stuff. But but yeah, no, he, he lent me some leathers and I used to go down because he he helped me with a van first of all, and he said you've got a there's the van. It was all like a rotted 1974 high ace, yeah. and um, <clears> this, was 19, this was 1982. <laughs> this, is, this is straight over my head. Toyota. Yeah. <laughs> Toyota, sorry, right. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, anyway, so we had to rub that down and spray it and everything. And he was particularly had to be just right. So I was there for months doing that, and then we had to do the engine after that. Cool. And um, and that's where it was. And then we carried on doing that. And then he has to rub his cars down. This was after work, mind. So he'd help yeah. me. So in those days, I was I was a bit crazy. As in, I wasn't crazy. I was I was I was fairly good. I think we're looking back um, on the short circuit wise. But club recent club races, we got a snet, and you know, six and a half hours drives from Wales after okay. after work, you know, and uh, yeah, through London. Then there was no M25 one finished. <laughs> Straight through so, um, London. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we like this one. You woke up in the morning, <laughs> you know, two hours sleep, and. <laughs> And then drive all the way home and then drive the next weekend back to Snetton. Yeah. Oh, it was crazy. And then it crashed. So I used to crash because I was fairly like in the top three, I crash, you know, like yeah. it was fairly, it was, I suppose it was a bit wild. <laughs> and um, anyway, um, I'd come back and he'd, we'd say, oh, bike's a bit of a mess. Right. Um, look on the shelf he used to and go, right, what colour's the bike this week then? <laughs> so it used to be blue and green or white and red and... <laughs> Whatever was oh, in there. It's a black there. Eh? I'll have black bag this week. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite interesting. <laughs> there was no corporate stuff in those days. You know, so, so did, taped up and stuff. Did you go straight back to the, the TT after you'd done that, uh, the first time at the Southern 100, done your lap? Did you go back to the TT the following year? Uh, yeah, once I'd done those couple of laps uh, at, in 83, then obviously I went back to the Manx mm-hmm. then, um, which was in the September. And I yeah, I finished third in the newcomers race, which was behind Robert Dunlop won it, Steve Islop second, and I was third. I mean, that's, was, a, that's a year and a half, isn't it, for newcomers? Yeah, no, not not a bad, not bad, is it? No, and there was yeah. also um, Keith Nichols, I think, was fourth, who, was, who turned out to be a really brilliant rider from uh, Preston. Jim McDonnell, who was who was yep. tragically killed with it. he hit the horse at the TT. Yeah, uh, he was fifth. Uh, Ian Newton. Um, there was yeah, there was a load yeah. of people that year. It's just one of those years, you know, where you know it's just That's a name um, from the past. All they knew, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, he, he used to do the R RS two fifty cup, didn't he? The, the yeah, good, yeah, good good two fifty ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, did did some Grand Prix, didn't he? Yeah, you know, yeah. He did, you now is uh, now is in in charge at Aprilia UK. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what was what was a newcomers race like? Because obviously we don't we don't have that 
anymore. <clears throat> was it was it as wild as it sounds? Because I, I was only speaking to some of the guys about it last night. A newcomer's race is is quite a a daunting thing. You're brand new to the TT. I don't know if you. I guess you would have had pit boards back then, right? Giving you an idea of Chalk where you boards. were. Yeah, yeah, Chalk yeah. Boards, but yeah. You'd, know, <clears throat> you'd know your positions and, and time differences. Mm. As a newcomer coming, you see like P two, you know, plus plus one or plus two seconds. Mm. What kind of a mindset for a newcomer does that give? Like, you just you, as a newcomer, you want to come here and learn the circuit. You don't want to be fighting for wins, do you? So was it was it a bit wild or was it? I know. Especially I think you want to be fighting for wins because you're up against other newcomers. Yeah, <laughs> that's but, my but mind. It's if it's a race, me, it's a race. You know, so you look at it. It's different for me because you was in a different. He was in a race with the pros. Yeah, when yeah. I came. So yeah. I, and I yeah. said to them, I don't want pit boards. The only board I would like is fuel. Yeah, and that's it. Just, just because I didn't want a uh, carrot dangling like you're implying. Yeah, know? exactly. Mm. Yeah. Uh, with those races, it was all newcomers. It was all newcomers, and mm. it wasn't like the TT. It was the Manx anyway. Yeah. So you say more sort of not um, professionals. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, the TT was more people who were already gone. Because everybody in those days used to do the Manx and then the ground and, and the right. TT. Up to it, yeah. Nobody just goes straight to the TT. It was only later on in years. I, I like believe, is that, is that right? If you'd won the Manx, you weren't allowed to go back. Yeah, that that's right. Yeah. I think that's still the case. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not yeah, sure yeah, if they've altered that yeah. a few years ago. Um, but yeah, and the Manx Grand Prix at one time was like getting a works ride. You mm -hmm. could get a works ride at the TT if you won the banks. If you won the banks, yeah. It was it was thought of that highly, you know. And there were some really really good riders mm -hmm. that went, you know, like um, I don't know if Halewood went through their banks first, mind, but people like that, you know, like. Um, so when when riders. you uh, did your first Southern, mm. and then went and had a look around the TT, yeah. Um, who were the main men in Southern then? Who were the doing Southern, the winning on the, on the, on the uh, I think it'd have been people like Kenny Harrison, yeah, and Dave Leach. And yeah. yeah, maybe that was a bit before Dave's time, maybe. But um, yeah, uh, Buddy Yardsley, um, those sort of names. Um, doo -doo -doo. Yeah, eighty. Brian Reed. Reed. Brian Reed would probably Reedy. Been, yeah, Speedy really would yeah. have been the top man then. Yeah, eighty. I remember being there in eighty three, and he'd just done the first hundred mile on our lap God. when it was my first. Um, um, Good rider. My first race there, then you know, and now we live about two miles apart from each other, and it was weird we didn't know each other then. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, yeah, in Northern Ireland, so that's amazing. Yeah. So then you come back the following year, and you're at the TT. You step up to the TT. No, um, it, so that was '83. I did that. Then '84, I came back uh, in the TT, but I was going to do the Manx again '84 yeah. because Raymond wanted me to do it. If it had been me, I'd just gone straight to the TT because mm -hmm. I thought. You know, Max, I wanted to get there. You know, it's like, and yeah. Yeah, I think I went from being like a novice license holder to international within 18 months. So I was young. I was, I wanted to do it sort of thing, you know. Anyway, um, so I, I came back to the TT in 84. You were allowed to do, there was a historic race, it was called. It's a two-lapper mm -hmm. and a historic race. It was two, uh, there was that, and then also the production uh, production race. Mm-hmm. So you allowed to do that and then still go back to the um, to the Manx Grand Prix. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, I was there and I went out and never in the four stroke before. I was twenty, um, <clears throat> and uh, only my second time there at the Alman. Right hand gear change, uh, never in the four stroke, and it was damp. Oh, so, why was it a right hand gear change? Because on a, it's a G50 matchless G50, oh, right, okay. so it's a it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very hard to put a one on the other side, you know. So anyway, I finished second to Dave Roper. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was, oh, right. yeah, big yeah. beard, yeah, massive big yeah, beard. Yeah, yeah. 
was, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a good ride, really. And then while I was there, um, uh, I was staying in the same place as uh, a rider called Steve Tonkin, who was a 250 British champion, etc., and very good TT rider, TT winner. And he fell off and broke his leg. And they said, "Do you want to take over his production ride? Because I could ride in the production race." I said, "Yeah, okay." So I started first on the road with uh, Mez Meller. Cool, so it heck. went off in twos, you know. Yeah. And uh, we were we were like this. <laughs> oh, great! And we were laughing. We pull each other's seats back and everything going along, you know, trying to turn the ignition off, and stuff. <laughs> all the way to Palau. Yeah. And it was great crack. And um, got then he left me a little bit. And I thought, oh, no. Anyway, so it was a three lap race. So he pulls in for fuel at the end of the first lap. I was going to pull in the end of the second lap. So then I'm going. So I go down to Parliament Square. I'm leading the race. I didn't know this. So mm-hmm. I'm leading the race. It was a really hot day. Got to Parliament Square. Lost the front on the, on the oh, oh. tar. You know, the mm-hmm. tar was melting. So I picked it up. You're allowed to pick it up in those days. You know, there's only the screen broken. <clears throat> so I got back going when the screen broke. And I finished seventh. So I, I had a really good ride, yeah. Oh, my nice. Yeah, yeah. And then, so then I went back to the Manx Grand Prix in September and um, I broke my collarbone the night before the first race. Yeah, the bike seized at 250. At the end of the mile, just where we were talking about actually, it came through there and it used to be so rough through there. Your hands were on the, you're on the clutch like this. You're, you're, you're trying to grab the clutch and you're, just in case it seizes. And just as you shut off, you think, no, I need But you couldn't because your, your hands were that busy with it, was that bouncy and yeah. you know rough the road <clears throat> and then I just took my hand back off to go into the corner and then it seized I couldn't get my hand back onto the clutch and just spat me straight through the screen and uh, I broke my collarbone I ended up with some bit of gangrene in my side here so Oof. a bit of gravel rash nice. not very nice we've all been there that's so fast there <clears throat> yeah. Oh, yeah yeah right so, so let's end part one here because I want to get on to uh, your first win and then talking uh, uh, all about being a team manager now and what it feels like. Ian Locker, thank you so much. Okay, thank you.